0: Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. I'm really excited to bring this message to you. Um, but before I do that, again, I just want to invite those who are new with us or who haven't been with us for, for a while now. Um uh, please to fill in this card. We'd love to get in contact with you, uh, get your details, uh, let you know what's happening in the church, remain in contact. And a lot of information is distributed through uh, our database, and of course, uh, we need your information to do so. So I'd love to remain in contact with you. For those who haven't filled in the information, please fill it in. You can give it to me or DM me afterwards. Um, so just a small promo over there. All right, fantastic. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be preaching today on... Um, on a new series that, we've, uh, that we're starting today, and it's called The Mission, The Mission Part 1. So, I'm going to read out of uh, Luke uh, 19 uh, to give you a bit of the context of, of what this is all about. And uh, from verses 1 to 10, and, and in verse 10, it's actually going to be uh, that one sentence will be the red thread uh, that you will be able to weave through the fabric of my message uh, as, I, as I give it to you and deliver to you today. So uh, tighten those seatbelts, get ready, we're going to rock and roll. Okay, fantastic. So turn with you with Bibles in Luke 19, uh, verses 1 to 10. <clears throat> and it goes like this. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man named Zacharias. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich for obvious reasons, and he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd, and so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree. It always baffles me why they mention the specific tree. I need to figure out why a fig sycamore tree, but anyway, nevertheless, Um, and beside the road for Jesus was going to pass by that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacharias and called him by name. Zacharias, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest at your home today. Zacharias quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his home uh, in great excitement and in joy. But the people were displeased. He, was, <clears throat> he has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacharias stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated anyone of their taxes, which most likely he did, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this house today, for this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. And this is the the clincher over here. For the son of man came to seek and save those who were lost. For the son of man came to seek and save those who were lost. That was his mission. The word missionary uh, is one that you don't really hear much today, missionaries, and um, in the latter day, uh, it was uh, people who considered themselves as missionaries were, were quite uh, highly acclaimed, they were quite revered, and, um, and people had a lot of respect for them, and uh, sacrificing their own desires uh, for the sole purpose of being able to reach out to communities that had never heard about Christ before, so that's what, that's what missionaries ultimately did. So I spent a bit of time when I was preparing this um, for this message, and I, and I typed in Google, and I said, The Mission, uh, the title of the series, and I expected to find um, the mission statement and the vision statement of some global companies, but in fact, I found the title of a, of a movie that was shot uh, in 1986 called The Mission. And uh, so Kitty's shaking her head, so she recognized it, so some well-known actors there. Robert De Niro, Jeremy Irons, and also Liam uh, Nielsen as well, too. And, and so it's a long story, but what happens is there's a Jesuit priest um, that's played by Jeremy Irons, and he goes into this South American tribe, and he, and he tries to bring the gospel to them. And he, and, um, and he, and he does so with, with some, some struggles and, and, and challenges. But there was a particular individual, and I can't remember who it was. I think it was Robert De Niro who was, in fact, enslaving these people. He was selling them off as slaves, this tribe, he then found himself in a situation where he had to depend upon them for, for safety or, or, or saving him in a situation, and um, in fact, these people come to salvation, and what we see is God's perfect love through the salvation of this tribe uh, be displayed for someone who was tormenting them and their tribe from before. So, a beautiful, beautiful story. Not going to go into the details of it, but it was amazing. was amazing. I consider myself and Christelle as well too, as as modern day missionaries. Uh, in fact, um, and I know many of you in this church uh, do as well. And uh, only you need to look to our pastors Susan and Quinton as as his example of of what modern day missionaries are. And um, you know, Pastor Quinton and them, as, as many of you know, uh, moved from Australia more than roughly twelve years ago with their four children. Um, and that—that's—I mean—that's a huge sacrifice uh, for me. It, it's actually incredible to think that, and, and listen to and reflect upon Pastor Quinton and Susan's story quite often, and how they—they they were sensitive to the Lord's voice. They were praying and fasting about it, and um, and praise the Lord for that sensitivity uh, that they had, uh, because yeah, this wouldn't be here. And um, before moving to Sweden, so Krista and myself have been here for about ten years now. We, uh, I don't know if you remember the list, Christelle, that we made. There was a pros and cons list, you know, coming to, to move to this country. Should we go? Should we not go? And one of the things that we said is that if we can't find a church, we're going to start our own. Ooh, how naive we were. <laughs> and only knowing how, how challenging and, and, of course, exciting it is. But, you know, uh, planting a church is, is, is not for sissies. And um, that, that I can tell you. And praise the Lord for Pastor Susan and Quinton who have been praying and fasting for many years before moving to this country and establishing this church uh, and, and for their sensitive ear. And of course, we left, we left a lot behind. We left a country which we knew, um, something that we were familiar with. Uh, we were actually part of a church plant in Cape Town as well. It was roughly about a year old at that point. Uh, so we decided to, of course, leave that at the time. We left our friends and family and everything that was, that was familiar to us, everything that, was, that spoke community to us. Um, but then we also understood that Being here in this country, uh, when we arrived in 2009, that the Lord has called us to be a part of this of this church, we felt that we had a mission in our lives. Cristal myself knew that our lives were there was a greater calling to our lives than just a a regular vocational uh, profession that we that we had in our lives. There was more than than that. There was purpose behind it, and um, so we had an 18 month contract. I resigned. Uh, I a, um, and then basically the mission was, was set. No turning back. And uh, so that, that was it. I, of course, found a job as well too. And, and this is where we are as well today after 10 years being in this wonderful country, uh, serving uh, and being uh, in, our, in our mission, in our lives, knowing that we should be here. I often think about Jesus when he, when he came to earth and, and living amongst his father's creation. But more so I think, you know, why, why did Christ come to this earth? And so God had a plan for Jesus to be on a mission. You know, he sent Him with a mission objective. There was a reason why uh, Christ came, and there was, a, there was supposed to be an outcome from his, from, his, um, from his presence here on earth. And I don't think many of us, or I don't think any of us actually, would have been able to have fulfilled Christ's mission that He was placed on earth for. And that was to come and seek and save the lost. So verse 10 in the previous scripture that I mentioned. And Christ was aware of his purpose from a for a very young age. He was actually in um, in Luke, Luke two, which I don't have the scripture, but Christ was twelve years old, and he was found in the synagogue and he was preaching and listening to, uh, to to some of the priests and, at that time, and um, and his and his parents found him there, and and he said that I'm about doing my father's work, and uh, so he understood already at a young age that. He had a mission. He had a, he had a purpose. He knew where his life was going, and uh, he also knew that his life would end up on the cross as well. So, Christ knew that, um, that he needed to end uh, his, his journey after three years in Jerusalem where he would find himself crucified, and again, reading more about that in Luke 9. What I like about Christ is that he didn't go out and seek the religious groups. He didn't go say, okay, where are those Pharisees and Sadducees? Let's go hang out with them. No, uh, Christ's mission was to go find the lost and the brokenhearted. He went to go and find those that uh, that, that were sinners. That, that was his mission. Uh, his method was very unconventional, very unconventional. Back in the day, uh, he was ridiculed for his, his approach towards approaching uh, sinners. Actually, the uh, the Pharisees considered them as as scum. Uh, it's what the New Living Translation uses, and he says, "Why, did, Christ? Why, why do you hang out with these people?" But Christ's way and mechanism was was unconventional. His mission, his mission, remember, was to save the lost, the sinners of this world, and so his way of doing that was by he would spend time with them, he would have a meal with them, he would show love and kindness and care more so. Uh, than than what the Pharisees would, uh, and, and so that was that was his way. That was his unconventional way. And um, so in Luke five, we uh, we also read about Levi. Or some of the gospels refer to him as Matthew. So he was a tax collector, and Christ came up to him and he said, "Follow me. Leave what you're doing." And so he he decided. Well, wow, yes, I, I accept your offer. And what he did is he actually he um, he had a big party, a big festival at his house, and he invited Jesus and he. And invited some of, the, uh, of his fellow tax collectors as well. And I, and I love what, what Jesus says over here in Luke 5, verses 30 to 32. So let's, let's read it together. Um, so that, that's, that's the, the background. So they're at the party. The Pharisees are looking upon this party and thinking, what, what, Jesus, what are you doing? So, so the Pharisees, but the Pharisees and, and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. Wow, right there. (laughs) If you ever looked for a punchline, that was it. Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I came to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. Who know they are sinners and need to repent to repent. Now, I just wanted to give you a bit of background. Uh, in the day when Jesus was was doing His ministry, um, so Israel at that time was under Roman occupancy, uh, so there was Roman military a- around. And so, in order to be able to fund uh, the military expeditions that uh, that the Roman Empire had, they naturally needed to collect money for, for financing their military projects. And so, what they did is they, they had a small uh, garrison of Roman uh, soldiers in each of these towns and cities, and what they did is they actually appointed some of the the local people as as tax collectors to be able to go and collect uh, finances again to be able to finance the uh, the military expedition. Now the thing is is that the local Hebrew people that were then tax collectors, th- they of course took a bit of money themselves, so they lined their pockets, and and of course they they were stealing, um, but. Also, the people in the area saw them as traitors. So, they weren't really, they were sort of the double emphatic. They were stealing money, the people's money that they were collecting from, and also they were seen as traitors as well. So, tax collectors back in the day, they weren't, yeah, they weren't exactly the people that you'd want to hang out with. And so, a little bit of background why they call them scum in that instance. So, So, Jesus was criticized for hanging around sinners too much. Um, he actually sought them out. He went to go and find them. And he went to go. So he, his actual mission was to go and find those sinners, find those people that needed saving, that were at a place in their lives where they needed salvation. And so that was Jesus's whole mission. His, his mission was to go and save those who were in need of saving. And um, so he was very intentional about his his purpose. He understood his mission. He he was very deliberate in going to go and find those people. There was no accident. You didn't just wait by the well and, all right, let's see who arrives. And he, went, he was very deliberate. So there's many examples like that. We have um, the lady who was caught in adultery, the woman that brought the alabaster bar, who, who actually uh, washed uh, Jesus' feet as well, too, with very expensive perfume. And I just spoke about as well, too, uh, the, the tax collector, Levi or Matthew, depends on, on which you read. Jesus did not do this passive, uh, passively. He actually went after them, and he had an active mission, and I spoke about it in my, my previous preaching a, a, few, a few weeks ago uh, in Luke 17 when we speak about the, the lost sheep, the parable of the lost sheep, where Jesus went to go and go and find the lost sheep, and when he found it, he carried it, and when he brought it home, there was a celebration. So there's three points if you can remember that. So there was, so Jesus was on a mission. He was on a mission to go and find people, find the lost, and engage with them. Jesus was hosted by a number of communities in his uh, three-year ministry and, and the disciples. Uh, there were a number of uh, scenarios described in the Bible and the Gospels where, uh, where people would take Jesus and his disciples into their homes. They would feed them. They would sometimes clothe them. They would allow them to wash, uh, and they would give them a bed to sleep in. And I really believe that, uh, that it wouldn't really be possible for Jesus' mission to be successful unless it was for this hospitality that was around people that would see the mission that Jesus was on and accommodate his, his physical needs. Jesus also needed a community around him. It was a small one, 12 to be uh, precise, um, that basically he needed these people to be able to accomplish his, his mission. Jesus could have done all these miracles and, and uh, spoken all these wise words, and, and, and shown and portrayed love as he, as he did without his disciples. I, I think he could have done that. But Jesus understood succession, he understood that there was, there was a community around him that, that he needed to encircle himself with in order to create succession to the mission that he was brought to earth for. So he understood that, yes, in those three years that he conducted his ministry, that he was going to go out and save, uh, get people saved, bring people to a place of repentance. But he also understood that there was the baton that needed to be passed on, and he needed a community around him to be able to be successful in that. He understood that his mission went beyond himself. He understood that he needed this community around him in order to be successful and to expand what you and and I are experiencing today. If it wasn't for those 12 disciples and the many disciples that followed, you and I wouldn't be here today celebrating and experiencing Christ the way we are. I found this really interesting uh, internet definition of of community. And, And Kitty, if you can just bring that up. I thought it really uh, hit the nail on the head. And there were three parts to it that I'm gonna unpack a little bit for you uh, to help you understand this definition a bit better. So community, a community is a group of people who share things in common, first point. Who work together uh, towards a common purpose that they care about, second point. And who who care deeply for each other, third point. Now, I think Jesus' disciples, they, they, they followed this, this uh, definition quite well, actually. So, sharing something in common, um, if, if I think about them having a desire to follow Jesus and also to, to actually give up their, their vocation, their jobs, to be able to follow Jesus as well, too. So, they shared something in common. They worked together uh, towards a common purpose. They understood the Great Commission. They understood that love your neighbor as yourself and also love Christ and also eventually establish his church. So when Christ left, they went on to go and establish uh, the churches in, in uh, minor Asia and, and the ones that were in the region. Deeply care about each other. Now, he wasn't one of the original 12, but Paul um, was, was weeping over his followers uh, when he was boarding a ship uh, in, uh, in Ephesus. So there was, a, there was a deep care. There was, a, there was a, a sense of emotional attachment to the people around him that Paul had as, as his followers and his disciples. So he wept over them when he was departing. And um, yeah, I, I was a teary as well too, earlier when one of our disciples are leaving us as well too. So um, yes, we care deeply. I believe everyone's looking for a community. Um, it's said that there's, uh, everyone is uh, participating in some form of, of community. So it might be that, um, that people are a part of a, a football club uh, people are part of a, um, a barber. I know some guys who have beards. There's a barber clubs. I know that there's an old woman's knitting group. I know Stefan's a part of that as well. Um, I know that there are many other groups. There's cafes and there, there's other connect groups and so on. But everyone belongs to a to to a community. There, there's community. There's a gathering of people, and um, so when I when I think about you know community, I, I see this as a community as well too. So, the, you know, sometimes people define a church as the building, as a Sunday event, um, but unfortunately that's, that's just part of it. It's actually, when we talk about the church, it might come as a surprise to some of you, but when we talk about the church, it's the warm bodies that are sitting on the chairs in front of me. That is the church. The fact that we're in this building, uh, the fact that we gather on a Sunday, is merely for us to be able, to, as a church, to host us. And so... Um, so, churches is, is, is again is not a building; uh, it is it is it is a people. Um, but the problem with this this perception that I know uh, that that that's out there uh, is that it's it's easy for us to think that it's enough to come occasionally to church, uh, for us to go to church disguised, to sit at the back, come late, uh, arrive, uh, leave early, and and basically remain anonymous. And so, I want to challenge us, guys, as if. If, if we want to really truly be a part of this community, this thing that we call church, it, it requires it requires that definition that I spoke of, and I'm going to unpack it a little bit more in detail. Sharing something in common, sharing a common purpose, and being at a place where we deeply care about each other. And again, you know, the fact that, you know, when Rachel's on, on top here, you know, re, re, I mean, these connections that we have, I mean, Julia also, you know, when we, when we see people leaving our church for, for legitimate reasons, of course, you know, we... We, we get teared up because we care and we deeply care about people, and and for me, this is what community is. It's really what defines community. And um, so, if I have to elaborate a little bit on, on these these three points of what I what I see as, as community, so we as a as a as a as a church and, and, and myself are also very deliberate on that point, is that we that we want to be deliberate in seeking and helping the lost get saved. So Christ came to to, uh, to seek and save the lost. But through our lives and through Christ in our lives, I believe we can seek and help the lost get saved. And I think there's no better place for the lost and brokenhearted to be found and healed in this place called C3 Malma, this church. So for me, that's exciting. I really see lives changed in this church. And I hope it's okay, Adele, if I mention it, but I just see how your life has changed. I mean, I just see how God has touched your life over the last few weeks when we met each other on the on the men's uh, experience or the men's um, retreat, and I just see how Christ has moved in your life, and I'm just excited about your life and what He's going to be doing in your life going forward. So, yeah, and um, so there, there's a couple of people that I really admire in this church. I admire people like Roland, I admire people like Yvonne and Aaron. Just the amazing things when they just invite people into their homes, they make their home available, bringing people to church. I mean, this is this is community. This is this is this this love that we have for for our fellow man and what the great commission are, is, is a part of, so again just i 'm challenged by by your lives and just the amazing brave hearts that you have and just bringing people so it's just amazing really I'm, I'm just so touched by that um, let's get my bearings. Yep. so I believe as a church we share something in common you know I, I get a lot of comments and i 'm sure many of you do as well too so when we have our, our, our church events when we have our Super Kids Fun Day when we have our Yule Fest, which is our, our, our annual church Christmas event. A lot of people come up to me, and, and I've heard as well many other comments. People say, is this for free in Sweden? Is it for free? I said, yes, 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 it's for free. No, no, no payments involved. So I find many times when, you know, I've worked in front of the grill a few times over the last few years, and people want to pay, whether, you know, for a hot dog or, I was like, no, 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 it's fine, it's for free. Go, go get some food and, and juice and, oh, wow, oh, wow. And when people come to Yule Fest, they're invited, and I've, I've, we've had people that we've invited there, and they said, Matthew, can we, can we give something towards this? This, is, this must be a huge cost to you as a church. And I said, we want to be a blessing to you. No problem. No, not, not a problem. People are astounded by the generosity of this church. And, and when I think about this church, when I think we have something in common, I think, that, I think about three things specifically. And, and the first one is, is, is love towards each other. I really see... A lot of love in this church. Honestly, I've never, come, I've never come across a community. So when I define community, I talk about football clubs. I talk about barbers, knitting clubs, stuff. so these type of things where I've never found, you know, sort of love in a community like this. Where there's generosity. I've never come across a community where there's such generosity. People giving of their time, of their finances, of their emotions. Investing in others. And also, you know, kind-heartedness. I think this is an earmark part of this church as well, too, and what I think that we have in common. Traits that define us. And I've got nothing against social clubs and, and all the things that I mentioned. I think it's great, fantastic to be a part of those, and we should be. But I think when, it, when, when we have to have a definitive trait that we can earmark ourselves on, these are the things that I've just mentioned. Generosity, kind-heartedness, love in this place. You, you rarely find that in other types of communities. And I think this is what makes us as a church quite special and when we see others walking into our house, being a part of this community, people, people make comments about that. They say, this is, this is different about this house. So I want to encourage us as a, as a church to continue this culture that we have, this culture of generosity, this culture of love, this culture of caring for people. I think that's what defines us and what eventually is, is how we can draw a line in the sand and say, this is C3 Melma, and this is what makes me excited about being, being a part of this family. And I know, guys, you know it, it can be a bit intimidating for first time comers. They like could be a little bit overwhelmed. But uh, so just be gentle on them. You know, just just take care of them. You know? So all right. So secondly, a common purpose. So for Christelle and myself, you know, being a part of this church, doing church on a Sunday, th- this this brings purpose to our lives. And and um, Christelle being a, being in the, in the uh, uh, what, what do you do again? Genetics. And and um, and she's uh, <laughs> and she's also a qualified teacher as well. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm an engineer, and um, so, so to be honest, we could probably go to most cities and most countries and, and find jobs there and settle, but when we walked into this church 10 years ago, we felt, we felt a purpose being called over our lives. And so what we did, we decided to choose purpose over profession. Now, we're in professions, and we are, we are blessed in, those, in these areas, and I, and I absolutely can give all glory to God for, for the blessing that we receive in our professions. But we took a, we made a very deliberate decision in that we said that we want to have a purpose in our lives, and that we said that we want to choose purpose over profession. And when we started doing that, we see we started seeing blessing after blessing after blessing move in our lives. And I see this is a trait actually that takes place in this church as well too. I believe and I see as well too as a church how blessed we are because we choose purpose over many other things in our lives. And I just look at the building that we're in. I see these amazing instruments that cost a fortune, the lights, and there wonderful people in front of me. And I think it's because we have decided to follow the commission that Christ put over our lives, and that is to love your neighbor as yourself and to love God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. So point number three, deeply uh, care about each other. I can wholeheartedly say uh, that the love that Christelle myself have felt in this church over the last 10 years has been absolutely overwhelming. Um, some of you may know our story, uh, but in, in 2013, uh, Christa and myself, uh, we lost our twin daughters. And it was probably one of the most heart-wrenching experience that, that any parent can ever go through to, to lose your children. And uh, <clears throat> so... But the pain, the pain that, that we experienced was dampened by the love that we felt in this church. It was, it was absolutely incredible. I, the type of love that we felt in this church was, was equivalent to us having close family members in, in, in our lives. And I think for me that is an earmark, again, of this church. The love that this church has for each other. When people go through challenging times, when people go through times of of, of struggle, where this church stands there together with the other person. And I think for me that is that is that is something that is so amazing about this church and what defines our church as, as community. We, we, we care about each other, we go the extra mile. So again, I'm I'm so encouraged by this church and, and how I feel, I can feel that I'm I'm part of a community. We've something in common, we have a common purpose, and, and we, we love each other and we care about each other. So as I was putting this message together, I was, I was thinking about, okay, guys, we've got, a, we've got a wonderful opportunity in the next two weeks to, to practically apply what we define in, in, uh, in the term of community. There's many people in the region of, of, of Limham that are, are in isolation. Uh, there's many statistics. I can't remember the latest, but at least two years ago, I know in Stockholm, they said 40% of people live by themselves. And I know in in Canada and I think in America or one of the other countries, but I know in Canada they've actually appointed a minister of loneliness over the last two years. There's actually there's a there's a governmental position, uh, the minister of loneliness. That's how tantamount and epic proportions we've 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 arrived in society. And so I know that there are many people in this in this region, in this area here in Limam that are just looking for an opportunity to engage to be a part of a community. And I think this is a wonderful, wonderful opportunity, guys, to draw people in, to be a part of our this, this community. I don't want this to be a secret that's in front of us. I don't want this to be our holy huddle. I want this place to be double in size by the end of next year. I want people to experience what we experience, a common purpose, something in common, and the love that we show for each other. I, I, I think for me, I would reflect upon myself and think, Matthew, that is so selfish of you to want to keep this for yourself. Go out to make sure that the community out there who don't know about this gets exposure. And, and so when we do Super Kids Fun Day, the reason why we do it is, of course, first and foremost is to bless our own children, to bless the children of this house. Uh, many of us are, um, those that are serving on the kids' teams are away from the children. Many of us that are in, in serving capacity in this church don't always get to spend as much time with our kids' And I feel like, wow, I would want to take this one opportunity and bless the, the socks off of our children. And the smiles and the, and, the, and the joy and the laughter that you experience on Super Kids Fun Day, even if you don't have children or you're planning to have, just being there is like, wow, I want one of these. So it's just, it's just such an exciting opportunity uh, for, for us to bring people in our world that are lost, people that are at a place where they, they're out of fellowship. They, they, they don't know what friendship is to bring them into our world in a very, very easy, soft way, to say, hey, we want to invite you to a free event where your children can have a wonderful time, jump on the jumping castles, get their faces painted, and meet Super Duck. Right, Charlie? Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> so it's just a, it's a wonderful opportunity for us to bring our, fa- our our friends and families into community. So what Christelle and myself have actually decided, and I want to encourage you, a lot of you have your own, own kids in, in, in daycare, and... Um, Dro- dropping off your kids, you see that there's one of these, um, uh, what do you call it, little cupboards where they hang their jackets and they put their dirty clothes and, and so on. And uh, I don't know how it works at your daycare, but we find birthday invitations at the top over there where you can grab an invitation uh, if, if your child is invited to a birthday invitation. Um, so what are we going to do? Chris? and myself, we're going to take the Super Kids Fun Day cards. We're actually going to write the name of the children at the back of that card. And so we want to, like to um, invite you Amanda or whoever, um, from Jason and Dylan to our Super Kids Fun Day to make it personal, to make it feel like, wow, there's a personal invitation. And so again, guys, I want us to take that bold step of inviting people in our lives into into this amazing event. And yes, it's about the children, but it's more than that. It's more for us to be able to allow the community to see what I spoke about, the traits that we carry, the generosity that we have in our hearts, the love that we have for this community to allow people to be exposed to that. So again, I want to end off in this and saying, guys, uh, for those who haven't uh, signed up yet as well too, who want to be a part of the day, uh, in any capacity, Christelle is organizing all the all the uh, volunteers. Uh, we are a little bit short on volunteers. So please, guys, for those who haven't signed up, Christelle will chase you as well too. She's very good at that. Uh, I've got many tasks that I need to do at home. So yeah, she's very good at chasing up and following follow up on things. So, Again, I'd love for you guys to be a part of this day. It's in two weeks' time, so um, yeah, really, really excited about this. One of, probably the biggest event that we have as a church, so please make sure you're a part of that. All right, fantastic, guys. Is that okay? Is a good message? All right, so I'm just going to invite the band up as well, too, uh, and we're going to sing our last song. And um, so again, if there's anyone that uh, after church feels that uh, they want to be prayed for, uh, if there 's something that 's on your heart that you feel you know Matthew, uh, this message really touched me or I feel like i 've been at a place in my life where I just need I need contact with Christ, I need to be prayed for i haven 't given my heart to christ there 's an opportunity uh, there 'll be straight off to church as well where i want to I want to invite you forward i 'll be waiting over here Pastor Quentin as well too. I would love to pray with you love to be able to uh, to, to, yeah, pray and, and ask God for, for whatever you have on your hearts. So, um, so let's stand up, guys, and let's continue to worship as we end the service.